continue on in our journey through Galatians. And so we're going to read together. Let's see what I've got up there first. How are we going? Nope. Okay. There we are. We're continuing on this theme of discovering our freedom in Christ and some of the songs this morning mention that as well. That we are set free in Jesus. And in this part of Galatians 5, Paul gets right into what that true spiritual freedom or true spirituality is really about. He's been addressing some of the issues of the legalists in the earlier part of the um, uh, message of, of the letter, those that had come to try and confuse the new believers in the churches in Galatia. But before we do that, we're going to pray. And this morning I want to focus our prayers not only on the Word of God, but uh, I want to pray particularly for our uh, farmers, our pastoralists in the life of the church. Uh, in the extended cold and wet season, it's, uh, it's, well, they need wisdom to know how to care for their animals, how to care for their crops in this time. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you call us to different uh, live, livelihoods, different uh, jobs, different roles. And we pray especially today for those who are uh, managing the land, who are looking after animals. Lord, we pray that you'll give them wisdom. We know that this uh, cold season is a little bit longer than it normally is in the north here. We know it's a little bit wetter than it normally is. And, and that has uh, different things to, to, uh, to, to work with, especially with the crops and the animals. And we pray Father, that you'll give wisdom to each one. Uh, Lord, we know you're the one that sends the weather our way and you have a purpose in this weather at the moment. And so we pray that we'll discover that and, uh, and, and appreciate it, but also, Lord, we trust uh, the crops and the animals to you at this time. Father, we thank you that you're watching over us and you've heard our prayers regarding people that are uh, unwell. We thank you that Leonora's on the improve, possibly coming back to Atherton this week. Father, we thank you for those that are uh, have been struggling with some long-term illnesses that you're working in their bodies. We pray particularly for Neil Hilliard and, and Michelle, his wife, uh, over this weekend. Lord, as Neil's in hospital, we pray that you'll give the medical staff their wisdom to know how to uh, care for him, especially with this severe influenza uh, attack and also his um, inability to breathe properly. We pray that you'll overcome that. Lord, we thank you that we can trust one another to you you hear our prayers and you answer in amazing ways. We want to give you all the honour today. And Lord, as we open your word, it is your living word, it's for today, and we pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts individually. Father, you'll challenge our minds and you'll cause us to live out what you tell us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bob, did we forget one announcement this morning? Morning tea? Did that happen? Did you? I didn't hear it. Sorry, I was asleep. I was asleep. But welcome to uh, visitors and hi to Julie. Good to see you amongst us again. There you go. I do normally listen to your announcements, Bob, but uh, missed that one today. It might have been just the... Ah, okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see what God says to us from Galatians this morning. Read with me. Oh, oh, sorry. What we're going to do first, before we read it, I've brought someone to help me this morning. Who knows, who knows what that is? It's a glove. It's not just any glove. It's my magic glove. Now, you're not children here today, so there is a purpose in this. This is my magic glove. And my magic glove does wonderful things. Like when I 
drop the book. I say, magic glove, pick up that book. <laughs> Maybe the book was too heavy. Try, we'll try the notepad. Magic glove, pick up the notepad. <laughs> Must be a little bit shy in front of everybody today. Here's my pen. Magic glove, pick up the pen. Not going to work for us today. I wonder why. Why isn't my magic glove working? What's needed for my magic glove to work today? Sorry? Needs a hand inside it, doesn't it? Do you know, I forgot about that this morning. I forgot about morning tea. Um, I forgot that my magic glove works best when my hand is inside it. We know that, don't we? That's a bit silly. but We know that to be true. We know that there's only one way the magic glove will work is if my hand's inside it. But I wonder what that has to do with the message today. We're going to read about that in these next verses. We're going to read about the fact that we are like that glove because when God's Holy Spirit is inside us, we can do things that we never imagined we would do. We would live lives that we never imagined we would live. And that's what Paul's getting at in this next part of his letter. He says, call on the Spirit. Don't do things on your own, is where he's coming from. So I want to read from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to read one screen and then you might like to read the next screen. And that way we can help each other out this morning. Picking up from last week where Paul was saying the hope that you have is in Christ alone. He goes on and says from verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Some translations might have to indulge the flesh. Whenever you read flesh equals sinful nature or vice versa. Verse 14, The entire law... Law of Moses, remember, that's what he's been addressing for a greater part of his letter. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? What's the next screen say? So I say... So just remember, sinful nature, flesh, if it's easy for you to uh, identify with flesh and the spirit, do that, or sinful nature and the spirit, do that. Verse 18, verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. Verse 21, and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty strong verses there, aren't they? We're going to come back to that in a moment. But...
Who knows those verses off by heart? We should, because they are uh, wonderful verses of hope and promise that that, uh, God has given to us through Paul's letter. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying, envying each other. So, this is an interesting passage, isn't it? And I believe the Lord wants us to discover what he, how he wants us to live as spiritual people. I wonder how you deal with your sin struggles, how you deal with temptation or disobedience to God. Do you, do you deal with those things without calling upon the Holy Spirit to give you strength or help you resist? Paul's in, encouraging us to not try and handle some of those difficult things in life on our own but to rely on God's Holy Spirit in us, just like the hand inside the glove. Sometimes we try and serve God without looking for the Holy Spirit's directions to guide us, even though we have the best intentions. If God's Spirit isn't with us, then it's, it's of no use, really, in what we're doing for God. We need, to be, we need to know that God is leading us. So Paul comes to this place and he tries to, in this part of his letter, speak to the Galatians about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because so far, the Judaizers, the legalists, have been coming and saying, this is what you can do, this is what you must do to be acceptable to God. Paul's coming and saying, let God's Spirit work in your life and see what will happen. They said that if you live a life pleasing to God, if you want to live a life pleasing to God, you have to make a whole lot of laws, you have to follow a whole lot of laws. Whereas Paul made it clear that no amount of law keeping or legislation can gain us freedom from sin, disobedience and freedom from the law. One writer has said, ultimately it's not the law on the outside but the spirit on the inside that makes a difference. Because the spirit on the inside will help us to live out God's desires for our lives. We need the direction of the Holy Spirit within us to overcome the desires and the bondage to that sinful nature or to that flesh nature. So let's see what Paul has to say about these ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first ministry is the Spirit enables us to fulfil the law of love. The Spirit enables us to fulfil the law of love. And in those first few verses, it says this, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. The entire law, the law of Moses is what he's talking about, love your neighbour as yourself. But if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Last week we talked about that gospel freedom, that hope that we have, that we have been set free. And that's true. But what have we been set free from? Do you remember? What have we been set free from? We've been set free from the guilt of disobedience, the guilt of sin. We've been set free from the power of sin. There's no, sin has no control over us anymore. We've been set free from the penalty of sin because Christ died on the cross for us. We've been set free. We're also set free from the power that the, uh, that the law of Moses had to condemn us, 
we've been set free from that because Christ came to fulfil that law. So our relationship now with God is one of spiritual freedom and it's a new and everlasting relationship and we can, we can live in that with that hope that God has given to us. But Paul says be careful. He says be careful because liberty or freedom is not licence. Liberty or freedom is not licence. He says be careful because humans are, tend to be pendulum swingers. Do you know what I mean? Legalism on this side, you must obey the rules. But no, 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 we're set free. So freedom is really good, but, but often humans take freedom to the extreme. If it feels good, I'll do it. You know what I mean? You heard that before? Whether it hurts others, whether it hurts me, doesn't matter. If it feels good, I'll do it. Paul says, be careful that freedom is not that licence to do anything you like. It's not the licence to sin again. We have to be careful that we know what that freedom is about. And the word freedom is interesting. It's that, that opportunity or a place for jumping off into something. And how many people do you know, sadly, that have taken that freedom to an extreme, whether it be living in the laws of our land and say, I'm above the laws of our land, or whether it be living above God's plan for life and they've got into some of the worst situations you can imagine because it feels good and because other people are doing it. That's the thing that Paul's getting these people to think about in this letter. Just because some people are saying that the, the law is the way, obedience to the law and the festivals and all the physical stuff is the way, just be careful that it's not a freedom to licence. It's not a freedom to do anything we want and to sin in any way that we choose. That's not what this freedom's about. This freedom is about knowing God's plan. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the sinful nature, Paul writes. Do not use it as a freedom to jump off into anything. And that, that word jumping off is a military word. It was, a, it was a, for operations that were in an enemy territory. Don't just jump in. Wait for your commander to tell you which way to jump and then when he tells you, you jump. Okay, so it's, it's waiting for God's Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us is what Paul was getting at. He knew that that freedom was, was not just removal of, of restrictions or restraint. It was a willingness to be obedient to God, hand in hand. Paul says there's this conflict between the flesh or the human nature, the sp- uh, human nature and the spirit and he goes on to say more about it in the next few verses, but I like to say it's like the devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. You know that sort of conflict? Uh, I think we all face it. Paul's trying to get the people of the churches of Galatia and, and God's trying to say to us today that there's a way to live even with that conflict going on. So he goes on in these next few verses. This is what he says. So I say, oh sorry, the next verses are about Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh, overcome that sinful nature. So I say, Paul says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. Devil on one shoulder, angel on the other. 
so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law of Moses. Remember, always put the law of Moses there. That's what Paul's saying. He wants to see our freedom being the right choice that we make. The choice to not live by the sinful nature, but the choice to live by the spiritual nature. I wonder how many times a day do we have to make that choice? How many times a day are we confronted with a choice of knowing what God wants us to do, but really it's easier to do what our flesh or our sinful nature wants to do? And this is where Paul's trying to get people to think through. Rather than listening to that voice which says, go ahead, you deserve this, you've earned it, no one can stop you, it's yours, do it. But really it's not what God wants you to do. And we don't often hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds trying to tell us to make the right choice. Make the right choice. It's a daily battle. It's a daily battle for all of us. But as we choose to go God's way, the choice becomes easier. It does, over the years. Not straight away, but over the years. This word flesh is an interesting word. It's a, a word from the Greek which is sarx, which is flesh or sinful nature. And it's a word that, that the um, people of the day were, were very familiar with. I wonder if he was addressing what they knew to challenge them on what they could be when they surrendered that sinful nature to the control of the Holy Spirit. Paul knew what he was talking about. When he wrote in the letter to the Romans, he says these very things. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15 and 19, he says, I do not understand what I do, devil on one shoulder, angel on the other, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do, I do. For, that, for what, is, what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. He wasn't speaking double Dutch. He was being realistic. He was trying to describe his struggle, his daily battle of, of God's spirit within versus his sinful nature, the flesh nature. So even Paul, one of the uh, apostles of, of the Lord Jesus, struggled with these things. It's, no one is beyond this. So we just need to know how to do it, how to live it better, how to live Christ better. I wonder, are you struggling with something today? When your flesh throws a tantrum, when you get cranky at somebody, we often give in to it. But in doing that, we compromise with what God wants us to do. Not That's just one illustration. I wonder... If you take on board, like I take on board, Paul's caution today. He's cautioning the people. Christian liberty is not a licence to sin. But what it is, is an opportunity to serve. It's not a licence to sin. It's an opportunity to serve God. It's an incredible um, contrast, if you like. We're set free from slavery to sin, so we come, become slaves to one another in Christ. So, we love one another, we serve one another for Christ's sake. We're not really slaves, are we? But that's what God calls us to do. Out of the bondage and slavery of sin to the willingness to obey Christ. There's a difference there. There's a chap, there's a story. He told his, uh, his friend, 
I have an extra day, I have an extra day off this week. So I think I'll use it to fix my daughter's push bike. And then I'm going to take my son to the museum he's been talking about. His, his friend replied, um, fixing a bike and visiting a museum hardly sound like exciting ways to spend your day off. The man replied, it's exciting because I spend my day off loving my kids. It was not something that he, his selfish nature would choose to do. He might have had other things to do. But his spiritual nature, his loving father nature, chose to put that time, to give that time to his kids. And so he should, by the way. But that's the difference that it, it makes in knowing Christ. Paul ends this section with a warning. I'll go back to that. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So there's a warning there. We have to be careful that we are being led by the Spirit, not under the law. I'll go ahead again. The next passage in 19 through to 21, Paul's saying the Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. The Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. I think I forgot to put that title up there. And this is what it says. Not a good passage to read, I'm sure. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What a stern warning. Now, that, those three verses in alone could be another sermon, just to look at what some of those mean, but we're not going to do that today. Okay? Might do it down the track. Because I think we would be able to identify with a lot of those things happening in our world today. And they're there. And it's what people choose to do rather than even to consider who Jesus is. Perhaps they've never heard who Jesus is. But it is a battle that we all face on a daily basis. We said that before. And it's a battle that um, we often surrender to, sadly. Hopefully not in those ways, but in ways that, uh, that will cause us to reduce our relationship and our trust in Christ. I don't know if you've ever read this. I don't know if you like reading these sort of passages. I don't. But these passages speak about three different areas or a few different areas of life. And they address areas of life of people who walk in the flesh or walk in the sinful nature rather than walking in the spirit. There are obviously the sexual sins, sexual immorality, impurity and sensuality. Those are sexual sins. There are religious sins, idolatry and sorcery or witchcraft. There are social sins, sins relating to society, that um, fits of rage, hatred, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, factions, envy. They're all social sins. And then, then there are also sins of excess, drunkenness and orgies. That, that's what our world's like, isn't it? But Paul wards, and that was the world, what the world was like to the, for the Galatians. That's, that's for many of them, as new Christians, they'd come out of that world through faith in Christ. But sadly, it was very tempting still. And some were tempted back into those things. Paul says, at the end of that 
passage. I think it's this passage. Yes, it is. Verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Another translation says, and things like this. The, the list is not endless. Uh, sorry, the list is not uh, contained just in these things. There are other things that can be added to this list which are uh, things that the selfish nature are prone to sway towards. I guess the bottom line is that living by the selfish nature always leads to bad results because it takes people further and further away from God. One person has said that uh, those who live like hell will one day live in hell. Those who live like hell will one day live in hell. He was writing this to Christians. He was writing this to believers. He was challenging them to stay true to the track that they were on of faith in Christ. And there's an element to this that it's this, when it says living like this, it's, it's that habitual living over and over again. Even when you confess your sin and and ask God to forgive you and strengthen you not to do it again, and you go back and do it, there's that risk that you will miss out on what God has for you. I want to tell you that we don't have to live that way. There is another way, a better way, and Paul goes on to say that in the next part of his letter. He says, the Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. I think I doubled up on that. Let me go ahead. Yes, there we are. The Spirit enables us to produce fruit is the next section. Why don't we read this together? These are great verses. We should know them off by heart. Let's read verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What a great passage. It goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Different results, aren't there? Different results when a person lives by the Spirit or lives, has a Spirit-controlled life. And he contrasts the works of the flesh, which we've just read in the 19, verse 19 to 21, to the works of the Spirit. There's this incredible contrast. It's one thing to overcome the flesh, but it's another thing not to do evil things. So we have to be on that track. It's a lifelong journey of overcoming the flesh and letting our life be characterised by doing good and by, by a nature of being good as well, which God wants to bring out in our lives. So the legalists, the Judaizers that Paul was speaking to as well, they, they saw good as doing good things. They saw that he might not be guilty of, of adultery or murder but that wasn't enough in God's sight. What God wanted was a relationship with himself. I think uh, we've got to be careful we don't pat ourselves on the back and say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do all those awful things that other people do but I don't show any visible signs in my life that God's grace is evident there because his spirit is in control of my life. And that's where Paul's coming to in this part of the letter. He's saying, all this is good that I've said, you know, fruit of the spirit and all this sort of stuff, but it's got to be visible, it's got to be seen to be real. One of the interesting things is he talks about 
fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. And uh, he certainly defines some of those uh, simple desire, uh, simple nature aspects, but he goes and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And then he lists off nine things in that list uh, from 22 and 23. And the interesting picture I came across was um, when you're looking at a bunch of grapes, what's the fruit? The individual grape or the bunch of grapes? Well, most people would say the bunch. And that's the sort of picture that Paul's getting at here. He's saying this fruit of the Spirit is a total package, if you like. It's a lot of things together that are one fruit and that Spirit is working in you. Again, those fruit of the Spirit have three different areas that they're clustered in, if you like. And uh, it's been interesting to research this and find out what people are saying. They're saying that the first three are a relationship with God. Love, joy and peace. First three are a relationship with God. The second three have to do with our relationship with others. Patience, kindness, goodness. And believe it or not, the third three, the final three, are a relationship with ourselves. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Someone has called them the nine graces of the fruit of the Spirit. Some of us, because of our natures, find it easier, our, our, our personalities rather, find it easier to display some of those fruit than others. But one thing that Paul says, that, we, that all those fruit happen in our lives because the Holy Spirit's there. It could be our personality that sees one fruit more evident than another. Paul chooses his images carefully and he uses this agricultural image for the way that the Spirit works in our life, this fruit of the Spirit. Paul wants us to know three things about this fruit and they are important for us to understand if we want to see these fruit come out in our lives. The first one is that there is gradual growth in fruit, isn't it? Anybody ever sat in the garden and watched the uh, flowers grow from the moment the bulbs planted till they... We'd we'd be in all sorts of weather, wouldn't we? So we know that that there's this gradual fruit, whether it be tomatoes or beans in the garden or whether it be the fruit of the Spirit in our life, it's not going to happen all at once. But they are all there because God's Spirit's there. And you can't measure that fruit in time. It's in what's actually coming out that you measure it in. And sometimes we don't even realise it. Have you, any, ever, have, have you ever had anybody say to you, wow, a couple of years ago I would, have never been, I would have never seen you so patient as you were in that situation. What's the difference? So self-controlled in that situation. What's the difference? And often it's because people have been walking with the Lord and he started to bring these fruit out in, in a person's life and they haven't even seen it happening. You know, you seem full of joy these days where you are always a grumpy old man. Now, I've never had anybody say that to me, by the way. But I've seen it in reality. Someone who's been a grumpy old man or a grumpy old lady, noticeable change in their lives when they come to faith in Christ because they have this incredible joy and hope for the future. Paul wants us to know that the growth of the, through the Spirit is gradual. He wants us to know that 
the growth will happen. It's inevitable. It will happen. Growth will happen as long as we stay connected to the vine. The grape image again, we know that John talks about Jesus saying, I'm the vine. My father's the vine dresser. If we stay connected to the vine, connected to Jesus, allow his spirit to be in us, then we know that we'll have all the resources necessary for that fruit to grow in our lives. But if we do things, if we choose to do things that, that close off us hearing what God's Spirit is saying as we read the Word, as we pray, then that fruit of the Spirit will not produce as quickly as it could. And the third thing Paul wants us, wants us to know is that the fruit of the Spirit grows symmetrically. What do I mean by that? It means that it's deliberate, it's, 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 it's growing up together, the, the fruit grow up together, the love, peace, joy, patience, they all grow together at the same time if you like but they're only evidenced in different ways because of our personality and how much we let God work in our lives. I wonder, are the fruit of the Spirit being seen in your life or has God still got some work to do? Have we still got some work to do by relinquishing some of those areas of our lives to God so that we can let that peace, joy, patience, gentleness, self-control come out? There are some things that, that we can do to enable that fruit to grow in our lives. Not that we make it happen, but we enable God to work in our lives. One of those things. There's three things I'm going to do and we'll finish with this this morning. We need to keep the flesh or the sinful nature crucified. What do I mean by that? Verse 24, Paul writes this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We have to choose to crucify that flesh or sinful nature. Some of us have tried in the past and it hasn't always worked. But God's word says, that, or Jesus said, we have to deny ourselves, take up the cross daily and follow him. And that's what it means to put our choices, our sinful, our sinful nature aside and allow God's spirit to control us. Martin Luther used to, Martin Luther, a great uh, teacher, uh, in, in past centuries. He used to use an illustration about men shaving. I don't understand this illustration, um, but I think I can just about get it. He said, uh, what happens when you shave on a Monday? The beard grows back on Tuesday again. Oh, I've never experienced that. Uh, if you shave on Tuesday, then it grows right back on Wednesday. He, Martin Luther said, crucifying the flesh is like the need for our daily shave. If we don't choose not to do those things, not to think those things, not to be involved in those things, then it will come back and bite us. Even if we stop shaving for a few days, the beard reappears. If we stop daily crucifying that sinful nature or the flesh, some of those things that we don't want to see will start to happen in our lives. It comes back as big and as strong as if it had never been crucified. But the beauty is that we have God's spirit in our lives reminding us and encouraging us and empowering us to overcome those things. So the first thing we need to do is to keep the flesh crucified. The second thing Paul writes about in this part of his letter is that we need to keep in step with his spirit. Keep in step with his spirit. And I wonder if we really know how to do that. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, 
Paul writes. It comes from a Greek word, a Greek background of to walk in an orderly way. Now, I, I grew up in Boys Brigade and we used to have uh, drill competitions. Some people have been in the military and they would know what it means to march and have drills. And, and I used to be one of the uh, staff sergeants that controlled the squad. So, so it was always left, 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 right, left. you know how it goes? Yeah, who's ever been there and done that? Yeah, some of us have. Okay. When the drill sergeant calls it out, you're listening and you obey. Because if you don't, the rest of the squad gets out of step. And I must admit, I've seen some of the cadets marching, and I think myself, either the drill sergeant hasn't got a, a mean, awful voice, or they're just not listening because they're not marching very well. But if you can't hear the drill sergeant, if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit within, you won't be able to keep in step with him. And so we need to be proactive in listening for God's Spirit, whether it be through what God says to us through his word, whether it be him convicting in our hearts. We've got to be careful that we don't lag behind, we don't rush ahead, that we're keeping in step with the Spirit. When we do that, the fruit of the Spirit can be seen in our lives. He wants to call the rhythm of our lives, if you like, the spiritual rhythm of our lives. By keeping in step with the Spirit, one writer has said, we will march our way into heaven. I like that. A story uh, is told of a man who was walking down the street one day with, his, with a friend and this stranger walked past them. And This man said, that man has been in the military. I know a soldier by his walk. And I don't know if you've ever looked at that. Uh, you would probably see that if you know people walking down the street whether they've been in some sort of disciplined environment like the military and they're taught how to march or walk. It should be obvious by the way we live our lives, if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, then we are in the Lord's army by the way we do life, by the way the fruit of the Spirit come out in our lives. So we have a choice to make today. The choice is don't listen to the devil on one shoulder, listen to the Holy Spirit, if you like, on the other shoulder. Listen to what he's saying through the word of God, what he's saying through the check in the spirit. That's the best kind of freedom we can have as we allow these fruit of the spirit to come out in our lives. I trust that we will yield to the spirit, that we will surrender to the spirit and let him work in our lives day by day. Remember, without the spirit, we're just a lifeless glove. But when God's Spirit's inside us, we are powerful in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be set free day by day as we surrender to you day by day. As we, as, as we crucify that sinful nature in that flesh, as we take up our cross and follow Jesus daily, then we can see those fruit of the Spirit. We can experience those fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no law. Father, I pray that it will be obvious in one another's lives that we'll see these fruit of the Spirit in action because we choose to walk closely with your Spirit day by day. Father, I pray that as we've preached this word today, the evil one will no doubt try and bring confusion and distraction in our days ahead. 
I pray that we'll stay true to what your word says and we can remind the evil one that, that because of what Christ has done, we have victory over sin and death and that he is the defeated enemy. So we can choose the strength that Christ's spirit gives in our lives. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the